everybody, it's Allie, and welcome to our YNR chat for Sunday, January 6th, 2019. I love soap operas so much. In the span of one week's time, Nikki went from the brink of death in the ICU to perfectly well able to get up and sign herself out of the hospital. <laughs> On Monday, she was in critical condition. She wasn't even conscious. She had been kidnapped by Nate from the hospital, and she was in this ambulance speeding through the night to meet Victor at some unknown location. They arrived at this private airstrip and it became clear right away that Victor was planning to take Nikki out of the country. Nick, who was also in the ambulance and along for this crazy ride, tried to stop Victor from just whisking his ailing mother out of the country to who knows where, but Nikki was able to recover. <laughs> well enough to let Nick know that she wanted to go with Victor. She wanted to be with her husband. She was insisting that everyone just back off and let this happen. And also insisting, Victor was insisting that Nate has to go along with them in order to keep an eye on Nikki and keep her healthy. Victor kind of forced Nate to go along with this criminal conspiracy, Victor had dragged Nate, by all means a well-meaning guy, into this whole thing. And the police are totally onto it. Ray had Nick tailed. So Nick unknowingly led the police right to the same spot where everybody was, where Victor was, Nikki was, the cops completely surround the plane as Victor is getting ready to take off with Nikki and Nate. And Ray stops the whole thing, declares that everyone is under arrest, hauls all of their butts down to the police station. It was a pretty cool scene where we had Nick's point of view standing on the tarmac looking at the plane that's about to take off into the night and all of a sudden the plane is surrounded by all of these police vehicles and we also saw the view from within the cockpit where Victor and the pilots and everyone are realizing that they are completely busted. We saw Ray bust onto the plane with his handcuffs and arrest them, take everybody down to the station. I mean, not just Victor, but the police thought that Nick was in on it too and that he and Nate also were helping Victor escape with Nikki. Christine comes back into town to do the thing that Christine does best, which is charge these people with crimes that they're actually sometimes not uh, guilty of, sometimes are guilty of, but Christine is the long arm of the law. She comes in and tries to charge Victor with kidnapping and tries to charge everyone else as an accomplice, but Nikki 
throws a wrench into that entire plan, it's kind of hard to kidnap someone who's willing to go. And that's exactly what Nikki told Christine. You can't charge my husband with kidnapping. I wanted to go with him. In fact, it was my idea. Go ahead, put me on the stand. I will testify to all of this and we'll just see who the judge believes. So Nikki completely saved everyone in that situation. There's no kidnapping, then there's no holding these people except for Victor. Christine and Ray realize that they can't charge Victor with kidnapping, but they've got him right where they want him in cuffs. So they charge him with the only other crime that they can think of, but that they really have no evidence of, JT's murder. So Victor Newman is under arrest. He is behind bars. He luckily was able to spend the first part of his week still in his leather jacket, but they did eventually switch him over to his prison blues. I mean, absolutely nobody except for the police believes that Victor killed JT. And Victor himself knows he didn't kill JT. He thinks that Nick did it. Wasn't it interesting, the scene that Victor had alone with Nick, where Victor just straight up asks him if he killed JT. It makes sense, honestly, that Victor would assume that. Nick did impersonate JT. Nick did hack into the Newman servers. And so Victor concludes that Nick had to feel relatively certain that JT was not alive in order to do those things. I mean, I, I can I can see why Victor thinks Nick did it. But Nick knows that he didn't kill JT. And Nikki knows that none of them killed JT because she killed JT. And finally, now, by the way, Nikki knows that nobody tried to kill her either. When Reed finds out that Nikki has been kidnapped from the hospital, he confesses everything to Victoria. He tells his mom about Charlie's drinking and about the fact that he was driving the car just trying to help his friend and that he hit something that night, didn't know what it was, didn't know that it was a person, and he tells her just everything about what happened, what his thought process was. And Victoria was so incensed about the fact that it was really all because of Charlie's drinking, that she stomps over to Kane's house to see if he knew what his son had been up to. Now, Kane is experiencing a massive New Year's Eve hangover right now. He got wasted at Devon's awesome New Year's Eve party. Oh, how the tables have turned. What was it that you were saying to Devon a couple weeks ago about how Devon was wasting his life, how Devon was screwing up? Oh, okay. Hey, Nate, um, do you have any 
more of those green, goopy hangover drinks that you could make for Kane. <laughs> because the sound of the loud blender clanging through Kane's brain might have been preferable to him for what actually ended up happening next. <sighs> so Kane's hungover. And Kane is not in the mood for Victoria's lecture about his parenting skills. They start to hurl insults back and forth between them. It was a complete free-for-all. Gee, tell us how you really feel about each other. Victoria told Kane that he was a bad father and a bad husband. He is weak and cowardly. And Kane counters by calling Victoria cold and empty and lonely. And you know what? JT's probably still alive out there somewhere, just hiding out so that he can get away from you. And then, out of nowhere, no, out of nowhere, the mood completely shifts and these two are lunging at each other lips first. Okay. <laughs> Can we put a poll on this, please? Kane and Victoria, hot or horribly wrong. Let's see the raw stats on this potential couple. YRChat.com. That's where you can cast your vote. Kane and Victoria, hot or horribly wrong. I am still trying to process where that even came from. How did that even happen? I wish that I could say that Kane was the one who initiated it because I would understand that on a level. Kane is lonely. He is without his partner. He is without his primary support system. He is a mess. But Victoria, I mean, I went back and watched it a couple times, seemed to be the one who initiated it. Maybe that's just how the camera angles were showing it, like showing her going for it first. But after all of the abuse that she went through in her relationship with JT, why would she go through with this? Why would an argument like that turn her on? Is that why? I mean, I can understand it from Kane's perspective because he's lonely and he was hungover too. But Victoria is a little bit more puzzling to me. She just came out of this abusive relationship and that was very much the dynamic between she and JT. They would have these very intense arguments and they then they would have this very intense sex to make up for it. If you went back and listened to my 2018 recap, I recounted the entire course of that relationship in detail and maybe that's why I'm thinking about it. But I also 
I'm struggling and maybe trying to create an excuse for why else Victoria would let a man stand there and insult her so fundamentally and then leap into his arms. I think I'm voting horribly wrong on this one. And it's not because of Victoria and Kane together in theory. If the kiss was born out of real desire, then I think at least I could understand it. But Victoria is so very a confused and hurt individual right now. She needs more than one counseling session. In fact, she needs to go see Devon's counselor because that guy was insightful. Her counselor, who she did end up going to see, didn't really provide all that much value, if you ask me. Maybe both Kane and Victoria need a little counseling right now because they're screwed up. <laughs> Independently and then together, it's screwed up. They were, of course, both filled with instant regret, and they, of course, both agreed to never speak of it again. Yeah, right. Kane goes to talk to Charlie about Victoria's revelation of the hit and run. Victoria goes her separate way, which happened to be home to a lip lock with Billy. Which she, again, initiated. What is going on here? Is everyone on this show extra Randy right now? It's like these partners are just changing up every single week. It's not even spring and our little bunnies are hopping from mate to mate. <laughs> I mean, and then on top of it all, Billy is not a whole lot better. He is fully ready to get back involved with Victoria right now. He was telling Jack this week that he's crazy about her. He was telling Victoria this week that he's crazy about her. Well, I don't see how he can be crazy about Victoria today when he was crazy about Phyllis yesterday and he was having revenge sex with Phyllis's daughter Summer the day before that. This is moving too fast for this viewer. <laughs> I don't mind fast, but it's really hard to believe any of these people and what they're feeling when it changes so quickly. I do appreciate Billy's whole Mr. Mom routine, though. It is really cute. It's cute. Mr. Mom is adorable, but I, I mean, whoa. All of a sudden, <laughs> Billy's got nothing else going on. He's at Victoria's house all the time. He's helping to raise their kids full time. He's doing the cooking. He's doing the cleaning. It's clear that he really wears the apron in the family, no? <laughs> I can't complain too much of it because, I mean, Billy did somehow manage to make the apron look sexy. Apron plus turtleneck. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Billy, you could have skipped the turtleneck and just worn the apron. I wonder if Billy is just needing to be needed. And that's something that Phyllis cannot give him right now because she is very secure in her position. Whereas Victoria is vulnerable right now. Finding out about this whole 
read mess on top of what was going on with Nikki and Victor. It's just compounded some things that were already going on with her. She does bring Billy up to speed on everything that Reed did and Billy encourages them both to come clean. I mean, after what happened with Delia, it's really important, uh, he knows, to tell the truth. And uh, that's what Reed wanted all along. Reed always wanted to tell the truth. So uh, mom and dad, Victoria and Kane, take Reed and Charlie to the hospital to visit Nikki. And these two poor kids... <sighs> both have to and want to do the right thing by confessing what they've done to their injured party. Literally, their injured party. Nikki's lying there in the hospital because of something that they did. And I really felt for Charlie and Reed. And surprisingly, honestly, I really felt for Nikki too because she's sitting there listening to the kids blaming themselves and apologizing and yet Nikki knows that she's not just the innocent victim. She knows that she had been drinking, she had stumbled into the street, and she can't let in good conscience, conscience these, ch these children, these teens, take the rap and the full burden of what had happened without fully unburdening herself about it. And I just thought it took a lot of courage on both ends for everybody to confess the truths behind what really happened. And in doing so, they really enforced, reinforced that it was an accident. All it really was was a horrible accident. Nobody meant any harm. So Nikki gives Reed and Charlie the gift of forgiveness. It was really very touching, but she also doesn't want the consequences to not have practical um, application. You know, she, she tells Kane and Victoria that there should be a punishment, and if so, it should be up to the parents, but don't involve the police. There's enough punishment that can go on internally. Um, so Victoria and Kane decide what their children's punishments will be while they're standing in the room together feeling so uncomfortable that they can hardly stand it. I don't even know what to think about Victoria and Kane at this point. I can't tell what they're both thinking. Are they really wanting to just sweep the kiss under the rug the way that they're insisting? Or are they really secretly wanting to do it again? I want Jill to be on this show once a week at minimum. Jess Walton is a star. I enjoyed every single one of her scenes this week. Ugh, it is needed. Jill is needed on the show. It just fills this space that is just irreplaceable. Um, 
Every time Jill stops into town, she is giving us a delightful way in <laughs> of her opinions on what other people are doing. And this time she was weighing in on the lives of her two sons. First, she goes to Kane. And she reveals to Cain that she and Colin have divorced. The first breakup of 2019, Jill and Colin. Is, will it be the breakup of the year? I don't know. The second I saw Jill, I thought to myself, how can she and Colin still be married when we never see them together? Jess Walton comes on the show as recurring, but um, I can't think of his name. The guy who plays Colin is not. We haven't seen him in years at this point. So I thought to myself, hmm, how, well, how much longer is Weiner going to pretend that they're still married? And just when I was thinking this, uh, uh, Jill revealed that she and Colin had gone their separate ways. Um, she said, you know, she said it was very complicated, but she held up her ring finger and there was no ring on it. Oh, shame. <laughs> A divorce. Can you even believe it? <laughs> um, Jill and Kane proceed to have a conversation about marriage and divorce, and it's so clear to Jill that Kane is feeling like the worst husband in the world. He's said as much. His wife is in prison, and we know as the audience that he's off drinking and stealth bomb kissing another woman. It's clear that it's weighing on him also to Jill, and she was able to pull it out of him. What happened? She gets him to confess, to unburden himself about what had happened with this unnamed woman. Cain tells Jill everything, but does not say who he kissed. And of course, Jill wasn't happy about it, but I really liked that she pulled herself back, and she took a moment to try to understand what Kane is going through. Because in a way, that's something that no one else has really done. Everybody has been worried about Devon and worried about the twins, but who's really checking in with Kane? And I liked that Jill was there to fill that role and also to give Kane a chance to talk about what's on his mind. Um, Kane wants to be better. He made a bad decision. He insists that he's not even attracted to the unnamed woman. He's disgusted with himself. He doesn't want to lie to Lily about it either. He acknowledges that he has lied to her more than once in the past, and he doesn't want to do that anymore. So he comes to the conclusion through this conversation with Jill that he needs to confess to Lily. He needs to tell Lily all about it. And Jill is like, uh, no, 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 no. You do not want to do that. That is the worst thing you can do. You cannot do that to her. Do you know what the truth about this would actually do to her? She would be stuck in prison wondering 24 hours a day about what you're off doing if she could trust her husband anymore, if she's slowly being marginalized out of her own family. It would be torture for her. You have to keep this quiet. And so 
He does. He agrees. He Kane decides to stay quiet about what has happened, and he will most likely just continue quietly hating himself until it probably happens again. Jill also paid a visit to her other son, Billy, to get an update on his life and to literally laugh in his face when she finds out that Phyllis is with Nick now. Oh, thanks, Mom. <laughs> thanks for really rubbing it in and enjoying my misery. Um, yeah. Jill was also, of course, overjoyed to hear that Billy was becoming close with Victoria again. This was a perfect tie-in for this character because she has wanted... Billy and Victoria together for a long, long, long time. But she doesn't know that Victoria is the woman that Kane was kissing. <laughs> so Jill thinks that this is the perfect opportunity to nudge them together. I bet you that Jill is going to be paying off Cupid again to shoot an arrow into Billy and Victoria by Valentine's Day. But... And just keep wondering if maybe this whole Kane and Victoria connection was like unexpected and out of left field, but somehow pleasurable to them both if they would stop and think about it. Like what if Victoria and Kane continue to find themselves oddly drawn to one another? And what if out of their own individual pains, something good could develop. I mean, I'm not altogether against it if it's coming from a good place, a place where I could root for them. But, um, but I don't know. I, I did like that Victoria realized that she is not in a place to have a relationship right now, even if Billy is kind of pressuring a little. He's making his intentions known with her. Uh, and, and Victoria just, you know, lets him know that she's not really uh, ready for that. Um, I wonder if Billy is just going to end up bouncing right back to Phyllis. He's probably going to end up seeing that Victoria and Kane are drawn to each other, maybe witnessing another kiss or something, and he'll probably just turn right back around and fall back in love with Phyllis. <laughs> I mean, it's possible. Phyllis seemed awfully interested in Victoria and Billy's relationship status on New Year's Eve. How about... Victoria and Phyllis spending New Year's Eve together. And how weird is Phyllis, by the way? She's hanging out at Victoria's house on New Year's Eve. Victoria is out of her mind. Victor's missing. Nikki's missing. Nick isn't answering his phone. And Phyllis is standing there straight-faced looking at Victoria saying, Hey, do you think maybe someone could be out there trying to kill the Newmans? <laughs> Thanks! Hadn't thought of that! Oh my gosh, Carrie looked so 
gorgeous in her fresh off the island attire. That red floral dress with the aqua earrings that match perfectly and her hair in that updo. I got a really good look at Carrie this week and she is so beautiful. I'm really into her now, but look. Carrie, if we're going to start counting up all of Jack's old girlfriends and old lovers and feeling jealous of every single one, <laughs> we're going to be here all night. <laughs> this is maybe not the relationship for you if you're intimidated by exes. I do love that YNR was bringing up Jack's Playboy past by having Carrie appear to be jealous of Jack's history with Jill, but Carrie cannot be seriously worried about the lovers that Jack had decades ago, unless I guess she's worried that she is one day just gonna become a part of his playboy past. But either way, girl, you gotta go with the flow on this one and just enjoy the ride, whatever continent it takes you to, or it's gonna drive you tr crazy. Uh, or I suppose she could go with the Lola method and return Jack's Bora Bora gift to the boutique, break up with him, stomp off, and wait for him to grovel. It's kinda hard to respect Lola for her sexual morals when she would kiss Fen in front of Kyle on New Year's Eve at the strike of midnight just to rub their breakup in Kyle's face. <laughs> if you love someone and you care about someone truly, you don't want to see them hurt. Maybe if someone hurt you, you would want to hurt them back, but Kyle never did anything to hurt her. So why would she want to hurt him? Because he bought her a purse. Maybe you guys don't have the same morals on money, but you how can you not see that Kyle wasn't trying in any way to hurt you? So why would you want to hurt him? It just doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know... What else to chalk it up to besides immaturity? Last week I asked you guys, do you feel that Kyle and Lola are true love or just too immature? This is a close vote. 54% just feel that it's too immature with a close vote of 46% uh, believing that it's true love. I think you can have both. I think you can, you know, have... I think you can be in love and also too immature to handle the weight of love, but true love, true love, I think, is mature and it is all-encompassing and it, it, it just doesn't go away. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I think infatuation is something that can burn out so quickly that you'd be willing to throw it all away, but true love feels 
so much bigger than a purse or anything petty or maybe even anything um, that might need to be negotiated through the relationship. But again, that's a much more mature attitude from a much older woman. Um, but the, and the other thing too is that if if immaturity is at play, it's not Kyle. Kyle tried maturely to talk to the whole thing, to talk to Lola about the whole thing. He wanted to be honest and open and try to see if they could work it out, but Lola wasn't having it. She shut him down when he tried to talk to her about money and the person, what had really happened, until it seemed like he had hit the appropriate level of begging and groveling. Then she was willing to entertain him. And then when it felt like he groveled and begged enough, they were right back to kissy face as if nothing ever happened with poor Fen <laughs> watching them in the background, standing there with a fresh cut rose that he had just bought for Lola. Whoa, wait a minute. Careful, Fen. It's better that Lola never saw that fresh cut rose. She's a tough one to buy for. Just a few quickity-quick final notes about Ray's investigation on JT's murder. Mariah is taking a lot of heat right now for reporting on Victor's arrest. And she's feeling really guilty because she knows that Victor is innocent and she's not saying anything about it. But hey, somebody's got to go down for this. Better Victor than Sharon, right? Hmm. And also, Mia and Ray are just starting to get their marriage back on track. They had New Year's Eve plans. They got all dressed up. They seemed really, really happy. Ray was trying his best to ignore all of the phone calls that he was getting from work when Victor was spotted. And Mia sees that it's really hard for him to divorce himself from his job, but that he's trying. And seeing him try and knowing how much this investigation means to him, Mia tells him, go on ahead. Break our New Year's Eve plans. Go make this big bust. Don't worry about me. Mia ends up ringing in the New Year alone in her party dress. And number three... In the previews of next week's show, which I'm really glad we're back on track with previews on Friday for Monday, the previews have Sharon and Ray in some sort of compromising situation. It looks like Sharon is in bed and Ray is there shirtless. I'm not sure if that's a teaser trick. I'm not sure if they're really going to go through with anything, but how much you want to bet that Mia, one way or another, gets it in her head that something has happened between Sharon and Ray. I'm starting to think that 
the big bad thing that Mia is about to do that we all know is coming is going to be to find a way to botch Ray's murder investigation on purpose, maybe even find a way to help out her new best friend, Nikki, and get revenge on Ray for whatever she thinks she did on purpose. Angels don't wear black. That was our quote from last week. I love that. That was such a great moment. It existed inside of a flashback. Uh, we were flashing back to Nikki and Victor and their first Christmas together. And Victor called her an angel. And Nikki said, angels don't wear black. So congratulations for everyone who caught that. It was a great moment. Uh, well done, Anna. Heather, Jamie, Tina Cole, Susan, Diana, Ambreen, and Rose. You guys all got it right. How about another quote for this week? I like this one. Sometimes love has an expiration date. Hmm. Sometimes love has an expiration date. Do you think that's true? And do you know who said it? Whyrchat.com is our website if you would like to leave your guests. And if you get it right, I will give you your shout out on next week's YNR chat. Oh, before I jump to comments, um, I, I assume that everybody watched to the end of Wednesday's show and there was a memorial screen title for uh, someone named Shaw Janney. Um, it, it looks like this was a, a cameraman. He was a cameraman um, and he also worked uh, electrical uh, at both uh, YNR and Bold and the Bold, uh, Bold and the Beautiful. He even also had in his IMDb credits some um, some work on Survivor. So um, this is someone who was uh, very important to the technical aspects of of YNR um, and also several other shows and um, YNR was honoring him um, and uh, his passage so I just thought I would give you guys an update if you wanted to do a little bit more uh, research on that oh well well um in a, in a, in a let, let's now just be shallow <laughs> We, we, we are okay to acknowledge and be deep and to reflect, but we are also here to be shallow. <laughs> and this week, whether you know it or not, there was a, a little bit of a scandal going on behind the scenes. Anna says, I have to comment on Mariah's hair. I actually really liked it, except I think those bangs need to be a little bit different. Um, also, by the way, Anna had to come out um, in opposition of Billy's turtleneck. <laughs> that gets a raspberry award, Anna says. Um, I didn't hate the turtleneck, but I was not feeling those bangs on Mariah. And apparently I was not the only one because Ellen left me a comment. Uh, I guess Cameron Grimes herself had to respond to all of the uproar over her bangs. Cameron says, guys, I know the bangs were a bad call. You're not going to see much of them, I swear. 
<laughs> oh, and Ellen says, yes, please stop. Those bangs are distracting. Mm -hmm. You know, I wonder... I think that's tied in to Mia telling Mariah last week that she needed to have a new do, a, a makeover, and I think maybe that was prepping us for Mariah's hair, but there was not enough prep, apparently. Uh, the, the YNR world at large has apparently responded en masse, not feeling the Mariah bangs. <laughs> Oh, let's see. Oh, yes. Other in other hair scandal news. I mean, this must be the week for hair. Diana says Jill seemed to have a new image of herself in the beginning credits. She looks very good, beautiful, thick bangs that look like they are fuller than before. She definitely suits bangs. I can't say the same for Mariah. <laughs> oh, but. Gary, also commenting on Jill's hair, says, I think that's a wig. I have no ability to tell when people have hair extensions or wigs. I'm the worst. I'm so easily fooled. I just assume that everybody has the hair that's growing out of their head. And most of the time, it's not even true on TV. So do we have any hair sleuths out there that can confirm that for us? We're noticing that Jill's hair is looking a little fuller. Is it a wig? Oh. <laughs> I don't know. I'll update you on that if I can if I can get a confirmation from a inside source. <laughs> oh. All right. Connor says, if I remember correctly, Mamie and Jill never really liked each other. So when Carrie hears and sees Jill with Jack, Maybe that triggers some memories. I think that was a dead giveaway that Carrie and Mamie are related. Ooh, Connor, now that's a catch. Didn't think of that at all, but there has to be a reason that YNR was showing us that. So good, good call. Yeah, I, I believe Mamie and Jill did not get along. Pretty sure, because pretty much Mamie was always a little secretly in love with John. And he would have been married to Jill at a point. Yeah, probably. Mm. Well, we had lots of conversation going on around that split vote, Kyle and Lola poll, true love or too immature. Um, Vika or Vika, let me know how to say your name and I will, I will store it in my brain, says, I think that they're both too immature and in love. There's some growing up that needs to be done first, or that needs to be done first for sure before they can have a healthy relationship. Astra says, if Lola thought the purse was too much, she could have nicely said she's not comfortable with extravagant gifts, and Kyle would have understood. If this is what the relationship is going to be like, then it needs to end. Plus, I like Kyle a little devious. <laughs> now, all he does is suck up to Lola, which makes the character boring. Mm. Yes, Kyle is definitely head over heels, puppy dog in love with Lola, and it has taken away some of that hard edge. Zuberplex says, Lola comes across as a prissy, petulant, holier-than-thou, post-pubescent teeny bopper. 
If she cannot get the fact that Kyle was entirely sincere and devoid of airs when he presented his gift to her, then she's the one who is simply incapable of understanding where he's coming from. I agree. Uh, Diana says, I think Lola is very lucky that Kyle forgave her for how she treated him. I knew that Lola was going to be trouble from the start when her and Kyle first met. At the same time, I think Kyle is attracted to how Lola challenges him. Never a dull moment with her. Oh, I like this comment in two parts because, yes, um, it's as if Lola's giving Kyle some grace by forgiving him. But wait a minute, girl, you probably are lucky that Kyle forgave you for your little stomping off attitude. Uh, and also, Diana, this is a good point that Lola challenges Kyle. But you know he would have had a challenge with Summer, too. Uh, I thought the thing about Lola was that she was supposed to be different um, and somehow, I mean, maybe not easier, but at least maybe somehow a little less low maintenance. And that isn't really turning out to be true, is it? Sandra says, at this rate, Lola will be the next 40-year-old virgin. I mean, her insecurities and immaturity will drive men away long before she decides to have sex with any of them. Maybe that's part of her strategy. Maybe she makes it difficult as a way to vet the guys that she's going out with. I don't know. Seeing how much, they're, how much they want it. <laughs> Here's a good counterpoint from Laura, though. Laura says, Lola isn't immature. She's just young. She's actually more mature than many of the characters, as she's a proud woman who doesn't want to be kept. She will buy her own purse, thank you very much, with the, mo with the money that she has earned on her own. I disagree with the stomp out and chase. It's boring. I wish that YNR would allow Kyle to just call her out for her behavior, just like she calls him out for hers. Yes. Okay, there we're, now we're rounded out. That is a good point, Laura. T. Nicole says, with the money dynamic between Lola and Kyle, I'd be interested if YNR would compare that to Abby and Arturo. They are also a Rosales and an Ab and an Abbott, um, but part Newman <laughs> pairing. Yes, I know. Yes, the money dynamic is very much a problem between Lola and Kyle, but that really hasn't been addressed as much with Abby and Arturo. And you would really think that it would be. Abby is very flashy when it comes to what she's wearing and her designers, and Abby is a shopper for sure, and our Arturo seems to just sort of take that, not be intimidated by it, and not, uh, but not need her to participate in it. You know what? No, we did have that suit scene. Remember when Abby tried to buy him a suit, and he, and he was like, okay, fine, the suit looks good, but I'll pay for it. Yeah, I guess we did kind of have something similar there, didn't we? Mm. Well, now that seems repetitive. <laughs> but it's a good point. It's a good tie-in. Maybe Arturo needs to sit down and have a talk with Lola about this and how to um, navigate the waters of that money dynamic being so different. Robbie says, hey, what's Anna have to do to start getting noticed by the men in Genoa City? I agree. She is so, so beautiful. And, you know, what about Kyle and Anna? 
that could be something interesting if the uh, triangle is not going to take place around Fen and Lola and Kyle then maybe it could take place around Fen and Anna and Kyle you never know I mean YNR switches up these couples so freaking fast it'll probably next week be that so speaking of these uh, couples that are switching up a whole lot, let's get some initial weigh-ins on Victoria and Kane. Soapy Llama says, I thought the kiss between Victoria and Kane was badly written. I saw nothing, not even a second before the kiss, where there was any sexual tension. They should have built it up for at least a minute instead of having them yell and smash their faces together. But... That's just me. No, it's not just you. I agree, Sobi Lama. Absolutely. I mean, it just, it, I didn't get, I want you. I, I, there was not even a moment of I want you. It was I hate you and now we're kissing. Um, a a buildup, even if it was in direction, if it was the director saying just give it a pause at least, uh, it was, just wasn't there. Rose says, okay, I agree. Um, Kane and Victoria's kiss was super random and a bit hard to understand, but I actually love that the door is opening. I'm a huge Victoria fan and her 2018 storyline and weird skittish behavior were terrible. I'm just so happy to see her on my screen looking beautiful and engaged in a storyline with Billy and Kane that I think I could become engaged in. And you have to admit, when she stands next to Kane, they are a strikingly attractive couple. <laughs> one vote here, and probably the only one for Team Vane. Uh, they would make an attractive couple. I mean, I think we were talking about this just a couple of weeks ago. Um, that like I have no opposition in theory whatsoever to Victoria and Kane. I wish the writers would have, I don't know, get done it some justice. To, got, got us there a little more casually so that I could fully enjoy it. The, the, the way it happened is a turnoff, but that it happened in and of itself is not necessarily. But I don't think you're going to be the only one uh, on Team Vane. I think there will be more, for sure, because, I, I mean, it can get boring to have the same old couples. This at least would be new. Tanya says, I wouldn't mind seeing Kane and Victoria together. It's interesting, and it's new, and it can spice things up, and it gives Kane an interesting storyline. Yes, right there. That's a good, those are all good solid reasons for these two being together. Ellen says, I like the Victoria Kane idea. Mr. Mumbles pining away for Lily is boring. Victoria and Billy, 8.0, is boring and doomed. Victoria and Kane is totally from left field, and it puts Reed, Maddie, and Charlie together in awkward situations. Let's try it. I have no opposition to trying it whatsoever. Dang, I just wish they would have done it differently. I mean, all of these are good arguments in favor. I I'm so would be so easy to convince. It's just weird that it was so quick. <laughs> and then she was locking lips with Billy a couple seconds later. It just makes me doubt that it's sincere, but maybe Winer's going to work on it. Who knows? 
Who knows? I mean, and especially if we're going to have new writers, who knows what we're viewing now, how much of what we're viewing now is actually going to stick. Because I remember when Mal Young took over the show, he just went boom. I mean, any of the old stories, he did not waste time transitioning us out of old and into new. He just, this is, I'm going to blow everything up, literally, like blew everything up and then just switched it all up. And maybe that will be the strategy that the new writers will use or maybe they'll gradually transition us there. I don't know. We don't know what's going to stick and what's not. So who knows where we'll be a year from now. I mean, who knows where we'll be a month from now. Oh, let's get down to Victor. Zooperplex says, who told Victor about the bloody clothes on Nikki's bed? I am further convinced that he knows what is going on behind his back. I wish they'd get to it. <laughs> I just wish they'd get to it, please. <sighs> I mean, even on Friday, was it Friday? Nikki was insisting to Victoria that she was going to confess. I think she was, as soon as she came to, it seemed like she wanted to confess. And then it's just, it never ends up happening. I do, I just want something to happen on this whole JT blahness. The investigation needs to move forward. Um, Leslie says, I hate Ray now. <laughs> I've never been a huge Victor supporter, but it's like family. I can bash them, but outsiders cannot. <laughs> yeah, I know it. Um, Daisy says, maybe Phyllis moved JT's body. And maybe Phyllis has been planting things to make it look like Victor is guilty. Well, we did have those... Um, previews on Friday of what's going to happen next week and there was a scene where Victoria and Phyllis were arguing I think Victoria is slapping Phyllis so who knows something had to have happened that's really going to rile Victoria up maybe it will be revealed that Phyllis is framing Victor she certainly has a motive um, and she has also divorced herself from the rest of the Margarita crew. Phyllis kind of abandoned those guys, which I chalked up to her role as CEO and not wanting to destroy that, but maybe it was because she was trying to frame Victor, and they were all pro-Victor. Who knows? Um, Daisy also says, with the changes at YNR, we might get a return of some actors. I certainly hope so. I'd love to see Ashley and Neil return, having married in Paris, while Ashley starts to sell her products at Hamilton Winters Group. What a twist. I can only imagine what Jack would say. I know, a new writing team and executive producers, not just the writing, but the people in charge of YNR are changing. And it is very exciting to think what we might get. And I feel very hopeful that it'll be positive. Gary was also commenting on the possibility that Doug Davidson might be returning back to the show. I guess there was some speculation in Soap Opera Digest. Um, but there, there has also been a lot of speculation that I've heard um, that I don't want to say because it doesn't seem confirmed. Confirmed, but it sounds like um, a, we lost some of our major players within the past year because they maybe didn't like working with Mal Young. So it is definitely possible we could be getting some people back. Who knows? I feel excited about the possibility. Um, according to Daytime Confidential, 
Um, it looks like longtime supervising producer Anthony Morina will be taking over as the executive producer of our soap, while Josh Griffith, our previous writer, is going to be handling the head writing duties. Um, and now I thought this part was very interesting. Uh, th this article says if Morina's name sounds familiar, his wife, Sally Sussman Morina, was recently in charge of the head writing duties at YNR back in 2016, and she was responsible for the initial pairing of Mariah and Tessa. No word yet as to whether Sally will be making a return to the writing th team, but anything's possible. Ooh. Well, first of all, I really liked Sally Sussman. I liked, I very much liked the short stint that Sally and Kay had writing our show right before Mel took over. So now we're learning that the new executive producer is her husband, so this could be good. I, I'm holding out hope for 2019. Oh, and if you haven't had a chance to read or contribute to the 2019 predictions for YNR, go to yrchat.com. Read all of the amazing and some of them funny <laughs> predictions that you guys are giving for 2019. Um, and if you also want to hear my predictions for 2019, you can still grab the 2018 why in our chat year-end affair at GenoaCitySoap.com. Thank you so very much for all of the positive feedback. I just really appreciate that. It's such a relief to know that that's something that everyone enjoyed so much. Um, it was just a lot of work, but it feels totally worth it when I've seen the comments coming in about how much you guys really liked it. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And um, let's see, what else do we have going on? Hmm. Not much. I'm glad we're back on track with our previews. I kind of missed on Friday knowing a little bit of a taste of what's coming next week. So it feels like, you know, we had all these preemptions and now we're, we're right back on track. I, I just feel hopeful because I, you know, and I know I expressed this also in the 2018 uh, chat. But there definitely have been some things that have started to get frustrating for me as a viewer throughout the course of the year. Um, the storyline pace is, it, it's, 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 it's a double-edged sword because sometimes it is so nice to look at things that are happening on the show and to think, oh my gosh, 10, 15 years ago, that would have taken a week and it just happened in a day. What are, you know, how refreshing to not have to wait so long for movement. But then at the same time, on the other end of it, it's just, um, sometimes it, it's moved so fast that it's hard to feel it. You know, it's hard to empathize. Uh, and I do hope that maybe we're going to get a better balance of that action with the heart, you know, and I felt like that's what Sally Sussman was bringing to the show, a lot of heart. So um, I think it's a good thing. I feel good. I hope you feel good. <laughs>
And uh, I hope you come back for next week's YNR chat. For next year's YNR chat, we have a fresh new start. I always feel good at the beginning of the year. There's just something about that fresh year that feels positive to me. Um, and and um, I hope YNR Chat will continue to grow and be even better throughout the course of the next year. And that's because of you. So keep those comments going. YRChat.com. I love our conversations. I love you. And I will see you next week. Bye.